Well, if you have been with us over the last few weeks, you, we have been looking at stories of people in Scripture and how their lives reveal to us the character and nature of God. And in our Bear Witness series, we've looked at Moses and Hannah and Abraham. And if you've missed any of these, I encourage you to go to our website and check it out. Make sure you get all caught up. Today we want to look at uh, the Apostle Peter, a guy that has been known to be loud, quick to act, and abrasive in many ways. Yet he was one of Jesus' trusted disciples in the inner circle and someone that loved and knew Jesus well. But he made mistakes, and the mistakes weren't little ones. These gaffes were huge. Basically, he was the epitome of failure, and for a while, he defined himself by that. But isn't this what we all do? We make a mistake and beat ourselves up over it. We spend way too much time worrying about what others think of us when we goof up. We post perfect-looking lives on social media so people don't know what's really going on and what a mess we are inside. And sometimes when we think about the Christian life, we think that it's all about perfection. We often want to present ourselves to our friends and to God and to anyone around us that we have no baggage. All is right in our lives. But that's not always the truth, is it? God knows that we are not perfect creatures and he shows us this all throughout of Scripture. The story leading up to our text this morning tells us that the Apostle Peter had had a bad week, a really bad week. First, he had fallen asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it had been a long day, but it wasn't any just old ordinary night. Jesus had asked him to stay awake. And yet Peter nods off, and when Christ notices this, he prods his friend, and we hear the hurt in Jesus' voice. On this night when I'm bearing my troubled soul, Peter, you cannot keep your eyes open and keep me company. Peter knows that he had messed up. Then while in a groggy state and removing sleep from his eyes, Judas and his accomplices show up. They have come for Jesus. Trying to make up for his untimely nap, Peter springs into action. You want to arrest the Messiah? Over my dead body, he says. Peter springs into action. Pulling out a knife, he swings at the nearest soldier and slices the guy's ear off. Again, Christ shakes his head, no, Peter, put your sword away. Do you really want to prevent me from what God has called me to do? Finally and infamously, Peter denies Jesus. In the hours leading up to Christ's crucifixion, Peter was given three chances to stand up for his friend, his teacher, and his Lord. Three chances to swing at an easy pitch, and poor frightened Peter can't even get the bat off of his shoulder. In the end, Peter stands by a fire, while in a nearby courtyard, Jesus is being roughed up. 
Staring at the embers, the disciple wonders, how could everything have gone wrong? How could everything have gone so terribly wrong? And at that moment, a passerby calls out, hey, hey, I know you. You're that fellow that sliced that guy's ear off. You're a follower of Jesus. Me, declares Peter, connected to that guy? No way, never. You are mistaken. As these words leave Peter's lips, they stick to his soul. They haunt him. Peter's mistakes begin to define him like a man looking in a mirror. He hears it again. Hey, you, you look familiar. Are you the watchman who fell asleep at his post? Are you the one that pretended to be a tough guy, but in the end you were spineless? You seemed like a kind of guy that would desert his best friend. Peter's mistakes play in his head in an endless loop. One shameless moment after another, I am such a screw-up. I am an awful friend. I am such a failure. Is he right? Is this who Peter really is? If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to John 21. We'll be reading uh, from that chapter, verses 15 through 17. Listen now to the reading of God's Word. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you probably have heard this story before, but it goes much further than Jesus simply telling Peter to feed his sheep. So let's take a closer look at what Jesus was really saying to Peter as he and Peter unite once again. Our text begins when the risen Lord reveals himself and appears on the Sea of Galilee. And standing there, just like old times, he gives out fishing advice. He cooks breakfast for the disciples, and he turns and addresses his friend Peter, a man who had spent the last few days trying to forget that he had any connection to Christ. Three times Peter had denied him, and now he was sitting next to Jesus on the beach. It was an awkward conversation, but an important one. Breakfast was finished, and Jesus spoke. Peter's heart must have skipped a beat when he heard these words, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The Lord was asking, after all that has happened, and you know what I mean, can you say you love me? And do you love me more than these other disciples do? John does not say what ran through Peter's mind, but we can imagine that these words were cutting. His heart probably began to race, his stomach churned, his cheeks burned, and his eyes misted over. 
This was a tense moment for everyone. You see, Jesus had addressed Peter as Simon, son of John, which was his name before he met Christ. The way that Christ intentionally addressed him called into question his title as Peter the Rock. His underlying message to Peter was, Peter, do you remember your human weakness? Do you remember what you were before I met you? The question was motivated by love and designed to make Peter remember how far he had come, and it did. Jesus asked Peter if he loved him more than the other disciples did. Peter could not help but flash back two weeks prior to the upper room. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And in Matthew we read, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. The fire on the beach this day must have reminded Peter of the fire when he denied Jesus. His thoughts were filled with emotion, the painful aroma of the fire. More than these, I will never fall away. Do you love me? The power of Jesus' words were mercifully brutal. How would Peter answer? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says in verse 15, the word that Peter responded with in the Greek can be translated to mean an affection or friendship. He could not bring himself to fully profess a complete love. He's basically saying, Lord, I have an affection, a deep personal attachment for you, but I cannot say love, Lord, not after all of my failures and disgrace. He was humbled by his missteps and didn't feel worthy of offering a complete love to Jesus. By this point, he was a broken man. Then Jesus charged him, feed my lambs. In other words, then serve me. But Jesus was not through and asked the second question. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? That is, Simon, drop in all comparisons. Do you really love me? This is the bottom line. Peter was carefully and quietly answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But again, he professed an affection for Jesus, not a full-blown love. Jesus was gentle in his response. Okay, then, take care of my sheep. There was honesty in the question, and his words were gracious. Jesus was doing something wonderful for Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Literally, do you love me more than anything? Do you love me with all of your heart? Do you love me more than with an affection that you claim? In his first question, Jesus challenged Peter's, uh, the, the superiority of Peter's love. In the second question, he challenged whether or not Peter had any love at all. And in this final question, he challenged Peter's claim to have an affectionate love, an agape love. Verse 17 says, Peter was hurt. But he steadfastly answered, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter loved Jesus with the deepest of loves. But his illusions, his doubts, his presumptions about himself held him back. 
These beliefs limited his ability to surrender to a full, complete, agape love that he truly had for Jesus. He just couldn't say it out loud, even though Jesus already knew. So when Jesus accepts Peter's response in verse 17, the restoration was complete. In front of everyone, Jesus shows his deep love for his fallen disciple. Peter's denials happened before a blazing fire, and now Peter's confessions came before a similar blazing fire. After three painful denials came three soul-wrenching confessions and now three gracious commissions. What Jesus does is glorious. The scene of Peter's denial was reset, but instead of condemning Peter, Jesus restores him. Jesus brings Peter back. This is the reinstatement of Peter the rock. Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Then don't just stand around here fishing. Go feed my sheep. The three failures of Peter are met with three opportunities of grace. Jesus is saying, yeah, I know you have failed. I know you've screwed up. It's okay. It's okay. I still love you, Peter. I still have work to do in my kingdom. What a beautiful story of redemption. Story in John 21 is a story of restoration in Peter after an utterly devastating failure. And if I were to be honest with myself and with you this morning, my story, my story is similar to that of Peter. There have been times in my life where I fumbled the ball, just like Peter. I've been quick to act, fallen asleep, when I should have been awake, and much to my dismay, I have denied him. The pain of these mistakes has haunted me and at times paralyzed me and kept me from doing the things that God has called me to do. I've spent many a night lying awake in bed wondering, how can I make it good with God? I and maybe some of you in this room this morning have tried to live the Christian life by doing the right thing. Maybe attending church, teaching a Sunday school, serving on a committee, being involved in leadership, giving faithfully, and attempting to put on a good act. Many times I've thought and occasionally hoped that what I'd done in my past might disqualify me from serving God. God can't use me, can he? I think many of you know that I spent the majority of my life in business, and there were times in my career when I looked back and I was probably not on my best behavior. No, let me take that back. I know I was not on my best behavior. And if I think long about it, if I think long enough about it, I would be ashamed at some of my actions today. But God continued to pursue me like he pursued Peter. He kept chasing me in spite of my sin. He kept extending grace to me and asking me the question, Roland, do you love me? Do you truly love me? My responses were timid at times as I was unsure of whether or not I was worthy, good enough for his call. Could I live up to his standards? Could I be the Christ follower that he wanted me to be? Well, Christ did call me. 
And it is by the grace and mercy of God alone that I stand before you this morning. He reminded me that I was his. He created me in his image, knowing full well that I would fall short of his standards. He justified me through the work of Christ alone so that I could be made whole again and united with him. This justification is really about God's forgiveness of my sin because of what Christ did on behalf of me and all of us on the cross. Through faith in Christ, I am declared righteous before God. The Christian life is not a one-and-done affair. We, as we accept this gracious invitation, we are continually called to be like Christ, to be transformed and be continually renewed in Him. And as we grow in our walk with Christ, we are being transformed to bear the image of Jesus to the world. Friends, if we truly belong to Jesus, we will look more and more and more like him over time. This sanctification is continual and ongoing as long as we live on this earth. And as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, we resemble Christ's character and are then called to do his work that is required in his kingdom. He wants us to feed his lambs to take care of his sheep. He calls us to connect with him in worship, to be engaged in discipleship, to love others in mission, and to invite our friends and neighbors to live in community. And friends, there is plenty of work to do. If we are to bear witness like Peter, we need to be united with Christ, transformed to be like Christ so that we can partner with Christ to do the work that he calls us to do in his kingdom. So how about you? Have you ever been discouraged like Peter? Have you ever blown it and turned away from God thinking that you are not worthy, that you have no gifts or skills or are not good enough, or maybe have even denied him at times? I know I have. And I'd just like to encourage you this morning that it's never too late. It's never too late to be restored by the living God. Our lives following Jesus are based on grace, forgiveness, second, third, fourth, hundreds, thousands, millions of chances. The good news is that God will restore and use each of us to share his message to a dying world especially those of us that have experienced God's grace in our lives after failure. Peter was given another chance at a new life. I have been given another chance, and you have too. You have the same opportunity. Peter's mistakes didn't define him, and we must not let our mistakes define us. The message I hope you hear this morning is that it's okay to mess up. It's okay to feel terrible about yourself, but we need to look forward to tomorrow. We can't worry about what happened yesterday, but we need to be aware and to look forward to the next opportunity that God provides. And don't think that this service has to touch millions and millions of lives. Every small act of kindness or graciousness demonstrated in the name of Jesus matters. Helping a neighbor in need inviting someone over for a meal, driving someone 
to the doctor's office or just listening to a friend? Do you love me? Do you truly love me? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep, stand in my grace, and know that I love you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the gospel. We give you thanks for second chances in our lives and that your grace abounds. Be with us as we go into your mission field to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.